Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. There's my partner in crime, the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com, the top uh, the, the, the top Swifty of town hall media. Supreme Swifty. I, I, I got to get the alliteration correct. He's the Supreme Swifty of town hall media. And That's prince. Let's see. Prince of Twitter. Uh, Red State. Region of Red State and uh, Supreme Swifty. Now yeah, that that uh, works, you know, or you know, yeah, or steward of this steward of Swifty Nation. We can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! You know, Andrew, there's a certain sort of interesting thing about having two guys our age discuss Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, well, you know, yeah. it was. I was so bored and a little bit angry over all the crap that's been going on and the house fights and and of course there's wars going on which uh and i just i was i was looking around for something different and i realized that i had tuned in from time to time on the recent um swift taylor swift news and her incredibly successful tour I mean, she's going to pull down four billion out of this, which <laughs> is okay. Wow. And she handed out a hundred thousand dollar bonuses or thank you notes to uh, her forty semi truck drivers who haul that stage extravaganza around. Um, and then there was the football thing, and the NFL audience went up whenever she was at a game. And I thought, well, this is kind of fun. And I I just, uh, I don't know anything about her music, but I do know that uh, she, she has this perky, positive, I've yet to hear any uh, terrible drug stories about her, uh, this positive energy. Uh, and you see her on stage relating to people in the front row. Uh, she did a three-hour show in a downpour because the audience was in the downpour. So she kept it up in her costume and her hair was ruined. And, and, and then I realized that a few years ago, um, a friend of mine uh, who works on a morning TV talk show uh, said that he had to work late. Um, because Taylor Swift was the guest. And of course, the audience, since mainly women, was packed. And when the show ended, Taylor Swift didn't leave. She uh, ran into the audience with like 200, 250 women, and she stayed as long as anyone wanted a selfie. No cameras, no nothing. She just stayed as long as anyone wanted to chat, take a selfie get an autograph, and then she left. And I thought, boy, this is really investing uh, in building fans as opposed to just accepting all the accolades. Um, and then I found online a video, a private, uh, not a private, but a personal video that someone had posted where she randomly picked 100 fans and invited them to her house. I guess it's in L.A., but invited her to to invited them to her house for an advance listen on her new album, which was months 
before release. And the video was her all in casual clothes and sitting on the couch with a whole bunch of women and her feet were up and they were laughing and doing dancing and singing and stuff. And I thought that she really seemed to be enjoying herself. Now, I know showbiz is, you know, if you can fake sincerity, you've got it made. But <laughs> but well, Samuel uh, Goldwyn quote, which may or may not be apocryphal, but certainly fit Samuel Goldwyn to a T. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, I think it was him who also said uh, after one of his movies was a bust, and he said, well, if they don't want to come, you can't stop them. Right. Uh, and uh, anyway, she just was so fresh and clean. And if you and I looked around and there were some um, um, what do you call them clips of her on talk shows and uh, Jimmy Fallon, who I, I I can't abide, but he had a video uh, of her when she was under painkillers after LASIK surgery. <laughs> she was talking all silly and eating a banana and and uh uh she was so self-deprecating which is a very i learned in politics a very powerful tool it is uh, uh it is. and she, and she was and took the joking with laughter and uh, so i thought see that's really kind of nice and we don't see much of it or hear much of it uh at least on the political stage and i thought well you know i'm gonna i think i'll write about that because there were a, uh, there was a plethora of <clears throat> recent polls about how anxious people are, how they dislike Congress. I think the approval rating was thirteen percent, and the Democrats in Congress, their approval went from twenty two to ten percent approval in one month. Um, and I know there's just there was just so much that. Uh, evidence that people were unhappy and bored and anxious and I, I thought well here's a nice little contrast so i wrote about it and um uh there's a lot of of taylor swift haters <laughs> yeah uh, you yeah, know I, the people you know, who have to people who have to crap on something that's fun which well, is great as, as, yeah, as long as they as long as they click i don't care well <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, you know, clearly, I am not the target demo for Taylor Swift's music. And I don't think I could identify a Taylor Swift song as opposed to somebody else's song no. uh, over the last 30 years. And a lot of although you could get Dan Fogelberg and Jim Croce, you could nail yeah. those. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> I could probably sing most of their lyrics. Croce, definitely. Even Fogelberg, I used to know all the all because I'd sing along in the car, right? I love those guys. <laughs> yeah, that was my era too. And you know, the music, I, you know, I remember, you know, when my dad and my mom were saying, oh, this music sounds the same. Well, it really does largely because it hasn't changed. The style hasn't really changed much. It had 30 years of hip hop and it's pretty much the same as it's been for the last 30 years. And Taylor Swift is just extremely successful at that. Um, and the difference is between her music and some other music is that it's just basically vocal quality, right? Beyonce, Taylor Swift, these are singers that actually have, you know, strong vocal qualities. So they're they're identifiable. But I mean, the style of music isn't all that different. The, um, but, you know, my granddaughters love Taylor Swift. 
And what brought my attention to Taylor Swift wasn't so much her music, wasn't even so much the Taylor Swift phenomenon. It wasn't even that stupid moment when Kanye West interrupted her from getting an award. I forget which one it was. I don't, I think it was, maybe it was a Grammy or maybe it was a People's Choice or something like that. Uh, got up on stage, interrupted it to, um, to, basically promote you know to say beyonce should have gotten it or something i forget you know this is this oh, several years ago and you know which i'm this may be like 10 12 years ago but what really kind of did it for me with taylor swift wasn't so much even the, the classy way in which she handled that but the fact that she took a guy to court for grabbing her ass during a um uh during a promotional appearance and this i think it was in denver it was a dj uh, and she was appearing there, you know, on promoting her album. And, you know, this is really, uh, you know, uh, kind of standard operational procedure. You have it, maybe, maybe she wouldn't do this so much now because she's just, you know, so, you know, dominant in the field. But at the time, you know, she's still trying to get to that stage. So she's doing all these things, right? And apparently, well, not apparently, admittedly, um, when they were taking a publicity photo together, Taylor, Taylor Swift was wearing a sort of a shorter skirt and this guy stuck his hand up her skirt and grabbed her butt. And you can see something happened because they have video, they had video of it. You could see something happened in the video that made her very uncomfortable. And he refused to apologize for it. He refused to admit it at least for a while. And she sued him and she refused to settle. She took him all the way to court and she beat his ass in court. Um, and I actually, that's the only thing I've ever written about with Taylor Swift. I might've written about the Kanye thing too, but I mean that I wrote about because it was like, yeah, damn right. Yeah. <laughs> and there was some guy that, there was some guy that was not nice to her and bought all of her music rights. And so she's re-recording all of her music. So she owns it. I, I mean, I, I just I think that was I a like, deal that went bad or something like that. And this, I mean, this guy was being kind of a jerk, but this is yeah. why I like Taylor Swift. Is yeah, I like that spunky charge. spirit. Absolutely. And look, she, the, there's another thing too, and it's a little bit more subtle. When she was coming up, when she was really first starting to hit it big, and this is about the Kanye West-ish timeframe, right? There were a lot, there was a lot of pressure on Taylor Swift to start being political, right? And she started doing it because she felt the pressure to start taking political stances. And then she stopped and she hasn't done it since. And I think that basically she's saying, it's not my job. You know, I'm not going to get pressured into it. I, you know, this is the reason why, and I don't know what her politics are now. I would just guess that <laughs> yeah. politics and hers are probably not similar. And we would probably disagree on a lot of things, but I like the way she takes care of business. And yeah. I like the fact that she it's is. All, it's business and she's smart. She, when she did the, the, uh, the movie of her tour, so she's making four billion, and then she yeah. has a filmmaker make a movie of her tour, and that comes out for a hundred million. But she didn't do it through the studios, who skim off seventy percent for distribution. She did it through AMC, so she makes a lot more money there. Right. Um, and I guess she's headed to South America now. She didn't go to the football game yesterday because she's getting ready for that show. And when you see, it, I mean, it's well. it's just as well. Did you? See? Chiefs uh, lost yeah, yesterday, yeah, and it yeah. wasn't pretty. <laughs> no, so. no, it wasn't. Um, uh, and uh, I saw Travis Kelsey. He has a podcast with his brother, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. he said that that he'd like to have a conversation with her, but she won't. 
because she has to save her voice when she's doing the show. Yeah. Uh, there's 44 songs in that show. Now, I'm not going to I guess the average was $457 for a ticket. I'm not going to pay $40 for a ticket because they don't care and you don't get to hear the music anyway uh, because everyone's screaming. Um, but I just I, I just like the spirit. I like the determination. The energy is just I mean, it's infectious. So I thought, yeah, it's positive. Why not write something positive instead of crapping on um, Joe Biden? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because we can do that all day long, right? I mean, but yeah, this is yeah. something interesting. Yeah, you know, the the NFL thing I think is interesting too because people are um, um, uh, people are uh, tired <laughs> of the politics yeah. in sports, and and I think especially now that you know um, um, Black Lives Matter has kind of shown its anti-Semitic ass to everybody, which a lot of us were talking about three years ago when yeah, everybody was yeah. trying to lionize these guys. Yeah. Um, it's, um, I think it's important for the, for the football, <laughs> for NFL to, to find something positive. And so they're very much they're very happy about the Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah. And they should be. And I am too. Whenever I see it, it, it feels good. I don't, like I said, I don't care about the music, but you're right about the politics. A morning consult just had a poll the last few days and finding that people don't want politics in entertainment. No, no, they don't. They don't. Which is not, which is not new, but I'm glad that the idea is, is penetrating. Well, I think after actually after what's been going on on campuses the last three weeks, people are going to be very much, uh, very much opposed to this. I saw something interesting, and I'm not sure if this is actually a thing or not. And, um, but I was kind of looking for this this weekend. Did you watch any uh, NFL football this weekend? I uh, no, because I lost. <laughs> well, Cleveland played a pretty good game, though, right? I mean, it was close. Yeah, it was close. It was well, I mean, the Steelers lost too, and it kind of wasn't close. So <laughs> there's no gloating here. I'm not. I'm not trying to gloat. But I, so I'm watching some games. I didn't watch a bunch of them, but I, you know, I was. I watch NFL Red Zone, right? Which is oh, commercial yeah. free. It's like five bucks a month. It's commercial free, and they just keep going through different live clips. I and, you love know, that. Live, live I love shows. that. And it's I love it was the Andrew Siciliano. I love him. Yeah, you know, and and look, I mean. I don't get a chance to see my team usually play, although they were actually on locally and the game wasn't going well. So I flipped back. <laughs> so, so I didn't have to watch the rest of it after Kenny Pickett. You know what I do, Ed? I tape it and I watch the score online. And if it's good, I'll go watch the tape. If it isn't, the hell with it. I don't, I've had enough losing in my life. I don't need to do this. This is, this is, this is great wisdom from the steward of Swifty Nation. I'm just saying that. Right <laughs> but I did notice something. I did notice something. I, I just want you to check me on this. You know, for the last three years, we've had all of these, you know, CRT and Black Lives Matter inspired sayings on the back of helmets, right? On the little, yeah. on that little lip at, at the bottom of the helmets. Yeah. And you know, I didn't see any of it this weekend. And granted, I mean, I wasn't doing a deep study on this, but I was kind of looking for it. 
you know, after after what's been going on the last couple of weeks to see yeah. just how, you know, how long these things would survive. Now, I did still see the end racism stripes on, on the end zones. Those are probably going to take longer to get rid of. But I, I was noticing a lot of blank um, yeah. uh, blank rubber guards on the back of the helmets or the team name like Los Angeles Chargers on the back of there rather right. than, the, you know, the end racism. Right. And, you know, yeah, uh, I hadn't noticed that, but that's a good point. Yeah. I think that the NFL has decided that this is as good a time as any to try to, to try Back to off. extricate itself from something that's going to be a huge, um, huge problem. And um, so, yeah, the the um, I think the politics of the left are, are just are, are getting toxic, and that's going to impact some of the things that we see in terms of the entertainment stuff that you're talking about. Anyway. Andrew's got a lot more to say about Taylor Swift because it turns out that he's, you know, just he's got like his and and I have a couple of videos of her on TV, which <laughs> illustrate my points. Well, you know, this is Andrew. He is now going to be the Taylor Swift blogger over. My <laughs> <laughs> new no, song at, at Swifty Nation. Swifty Nation. That's that's it. It's that's Andrew is going to be the 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 steward of Swifty Nation. Um, and I also she's accused of writing songs about her boyfriends and ex-boyfriends, and she won't say who they are, uh, but she doesn't deny it. But guess what? Carly Simon did the same thing. So I was say. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think so everybody is who uh, who um, who the person is in uh, You're So Vain, although nobody's actually ever, I don't think anybody's well, actually. Well, she didn't confirm it. I don't think she's confirmed it, but oh, yeah. It's supposed to be Warren Beatty. According, according to, uh, according to uh, rumors over, over the decades, it's supposed to be Warren Beatty, who's yeah. the object of uh, discussion in You're So Vain. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> name me an artist that hasn't used their own romantic. Well, um, yeah, women. right. I mean, country music. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Loretta Lynn's her whole thing, right? Yeah, right. Loretta Lynn's whole catalog, but you know, Norwegian Wood, by you know, written by John Lennon, Lennon and McCartney, but primarily written by John Lennon. Norwegian Wood was about a one night stand <laughs> with somebody. I mean, this is not new, folks. If you <laughs> if you get involved with well, it, it, they, they don't they don't they tell writers write what you know, so write what's in, what inspires you. You know exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of what inspires me, <laughs> you know what inspires me is really bad media coverage. And we're seeing oh. a lot of it. This is the stuff that, see, Andrew wrote about Taylor Swift just so he didn't have to talk about this. <laughs> but and just Ed when he thought he was out. Yeah, but Ed caught me. I couldn't get away with one week of crapping just on the media. when he thought he was out, I dragged him back. <laughs> <laughs> that's a line from a godfather movie whose whose existence we will never officially acknowledge um anyway uh the media coverage is this is just still atrocious media coverage there have been a couple of highlights i think the washington post decided to do a uh deeper dive at least on that israel targeted a hospital uh story and this is going to be important because this is actually going to be something we need to be watching for in the next few days. And I'll explain why in a minute. Um, and John wrote about this, I think a couple of days ago, and I, they, they did a pretty good job of saying, look, you know, this was clearly not handled well. And here is why. 
Um, whereas the New York Times <laughs> is doubling down on this thing. Well, Israel still hasn't proven that they didn't target the hospital. It's like, you know, yeah, they actually have a and B. <laughs> The issue is, is that you were basically regurgitating Hamas propaganda right. before the sun even came up, and you could double-check the, the assumptions here. And the last, I, the last I heard, in our justice system, you have to prove guilt, not innocence. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I think if the— if the Prove idea, they did it. Prove they right. did it. Was it was it their, was it their um, um, bomb? I mean, did it, did it have uh, Hebrew writing on it? You know, come on. Well, I mean, did it even leave an impact crater? No, it was a little dent in the ground. And the reason why is because it was the it was the um, engine stage of a, of a misfired rocket from Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which they had audio. The IDF produced the audio of two Hamas uh, terrorists talking about it on their command channel because apparently they they penetrated their cons. Um, it, it, they had all sorts of different, you know, Hamas cleaned it up and said, oh, the, it completely disintegrated when it hit, which, you know, no missile ever does. <laughs> it would be the yeah, first missile exactly. in history that actually did that. Yeah. Um, it it landed in the parking lot and it had about a 20 or 10 meter diameter range of damage, which is, you know, if you're firing that, you you may as well just be, you know, launching Roman, uh, you know, Roman candles. Uh, that's That's not a warhead. Yeah, that's and, not uh, a J-dam. Yeah, right. No, no. So, and the hospital was still standing, right? And New York Times. And- <laughs> that's the first <laughs> clue that it wasn't bombed. <laughs> it was destroyed. The hospital was destroyed. 500 people were killed. Oh, look, there's the hospital. Well, some of the windows were blown out. I guess that's close enough. I mean. Yeah, close enough. I mean, remember that beer? Remember that beer commercial with the, in a sushi, sushi shop and there was a Japanese guy and you know they can't say ours so somebody said something and he said close enough close enough (laughs) enough. um no I don't remember that one was Taylor Swift in that one (laughs) Ed (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think we've done her do you you see no I think I've beaten that to death yes I think you're right Andrew um have you seen any signs of improvement in the media no. coverage of this over the last since we've talked the last since the well week. yeah the signs of 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 improvement are that you don't see these ghastly mistakes you see many mistakes but they're not of that scale and i think i think they the media has pulled back and they're being more cautious and somebody some editor said okay unless you get you know, two sources verifying it. We can't. We can't do this. But uh, the damage is done, and it adds to a long corrosion uh, that got much worse with Trump uh, of credibility in the media. Uh, you know, the Washington Post had a running tally every day of how many lies or stretchers that Trump had said. And, you know, they're just too busy to do that with Biden, who does several every time he talks. Yeah. So, I mean, look, look, that kind of stuff, people see it. They don't make a big stink out of it, but they see it. And they go, you know what? I can't, I can't believe this anymore unless they want to. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah. I mean, you know, I think that that's what this, this is. You know, there was another story that came out um, last 
few days, maybe it was three or four days ago. I think it was before the weekend where um, apparently somebody got a hold of the internal Slack discussion around this. And a couple of editors actually raised red flags at the time saying, you're going out on a limb here. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you probably shouldn't go this far in, in making that accusation, especially in the headline. And the response was, well, we say Palestinians say. Yeah. Like, you know, I, well, I guess the riots around the world probably, the, the, the problem with that is the rioters probably just missed the last two words after the comma on, on your headline, Palestinians yeah. say. Uh, you know, this is, this, these have real world consequences. And I don't think that the jokers at the New York Times understand that. No. Uh, I, I don't know. I can't. It's so basic. I mean, it should be just an instinct. You guys, when you do, uh, when you, at least you, when you do polls at Hot Air, the first word of the headline is poll. You don't say, you know, world to end on Monday, someone said. It, right. you, get, you get the uh, attribution at the beginning. Um, and... Uh, by the way, did you ever hear this is, well, I'll save it. I'll save it. Remind me about the New York Times joke when we do the jokes at the end. Okay, I, I will remind you about the New York Times joke. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> this, this whole Slack thing, I, it, it, it just highlights how out of touch these guys are and how much they are trying to forward a narrative rather than report facts and wait to confirm the facts before they actually report them um and and well, there is a lot of pressure but there's always been a lot of pressure to be first yeah and, and there's no pressure to be wrong you know i mean that's it's embarrassing but things move so quickly i guess a lot of people unless you and i keep talking about it ed people won't remember well, and the reason why I bring up the hospital story now, because I know we covered it a, a bit ago, you know, last week's episode specifically, but I suspect that there's another one of these that's going to be coming up pretty soon. And the reason why, and I, I just wrote this, it just went up, is that the Israelis have been making a, a very pointed effort to make sure that everybody knows that a different hospital, this is Al-Shifa, the one that from two weeks ago was the Al-Ahli hospital in southern Gaza, but uh, the Al-Shifa hospitals in Gaza City. And it has been, I don't even think you can call it a secret. It's been open knowledge that Hamas has its command and control headquarters in the basement of the hospital. Well, actually, I think several floors of the hospital now. The reporters have gone there, including New York Times reporters, have gone there to talk to Hamas during the, you know, during the non-combatant periods. Uh, over the last over the last nine years, the Washington Post was writing about this openly in 2014 uh, during the last war, saying that they were operating. You know, everybody knows that Al Shifa is Hamas HQ. Um, well, the Israelis have been warning about that ever since this war started, and then on Friday they held a press conference to specifically lay out in that compound where Hamas's operations are. And now they're dropping leaflets in Gaza because now they, they, the round operation has pretty much started and they're already uh, around Gaza City. The Israeli armored positions are around Gaza City. 
And they're dropping leaflets in the area telling people to get out. And the warning specifically states hospitals. There are actually two nearby, but Al-Shif is one of them. And I suspect that what's going to happen is within the next 24 to 48 hours, that the IDF is going to start dropping bunker busters at the base of Al-Shifa Hospital to try to collapse those structures into the tunnels that are beneath them and to wipe out command and control operations. And when that happens, because I don't even think it's a question of if now, because Israel is saying today, came out and said, you have two choices, surrender or die. We're not going yeah. to do ceasefires. We're, we're done with that. We're going to fight this war to its conclusion. Um, when that happens, I will be very curious to see how it's reported because yeah. the New York Times, actually this is before the Al-Hali um, hospital story uh, came out. They were doing some sort of reporting on Al-Shifa and they had probably a thousand words, maybe 1200 words on all the poor people who were sheltering there. And, you know, the, you know the, the, I think the issue at the time was that the power was cut off. And, you know, you had doctors telling the media there, people are going to die because of this. Oh, shit, don't go to war. But, uh, <laughs> but at any rate, um, they never once mentioned <laughs> that Al-Shifa was Hamas's headquarters in that piece. This is the New York Times again. And I wrote about it, uh, well, it was mm, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's the bad. And my guess is... <laughs> that when the IDF does that, not if, but when the IDF does this, that you're, I, I am going to be very curious to see which American media outlets actually include the information that everybody's been, everybody's known for a decade or more that that's where Ham, Hamas's uh, command and control headquarters is at. And it's a legitimate military target. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll bet you the New York Times doesn't. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the, the the new or the more modern New York, the contemporary New York Times, um, uh, has been very careless on that. Uh, I'm I'm giving the best faith yeah. <clears throat> explanation. For, yeah, um, you remember when uh, after nine one one, when uh, the special forces and so on were in Afghanistan chasing. Uh, Osama, and it was the New York Times who reported. <laughs> it was the New York Times that reported that uh, the CIA was tracking him uh, via his cell phone. And guess what? A couple of minutes later, the cell phone went off. And then we spent, yep. what was it, 10 years trying to find him. Uh, those are the kinds of details, sloppy uh, classified details that uh, you just can't do. You just can't do. I mean, it's exciting to be able to say something inside like that, but you just you you can't be that specific. You you just can't. No, no. The um, and so yeah, no. I think you're right. I mean, it, whatever it is that the New York Times reports, it's almost guaranteed to be irresponsible. Uh, <laughs> curious about the other. <laughs> The other outlets, the Associated Press, the Washington Post, ABC, CBS. Yeah, I don't have that much more confidence in AP. They, they used to be the gold standard of being careful. Yeah, they used to be the gold yeah, standard of traditional um, inverted pyramid fact reporting, right? The who, what, when, where, why, how. Yeah. You know, they used in to say that. Yeah. You know, the, the, 
this is a little ane historical anecdote. Uh, New York Times publishers, uh, they're always family members, Salzburger family members, and they go through a rigorous decade-long indoctrination to become journalists. And the one who was publisher when I was there, Arthur Oaks of AOC, AOS, was um, his son, who was the, publish the publisher immediately before the current one, who is so woke you can't believe it. Um, he was working for AP. And you remember when... Um, begins with M, the, what was it, the Maduro rebels or some Indonesian group seized a train in the Netherlands. Oh, yes. And, I, I don't remember the name, but yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's some rebel group and they held the train, a train and they had hostages and so on. And everybody went to dinner and being a trainee, uh, the future New York Times publisher didn't. And he was he was working for AP at the time, and he was the only one who had the story when the commandos charged the train and and took it back. Uh, yeah, you gotta be you gotta be careful every minute, even when it doesn't seem like it, like it's not like it's important. There's a great story about David Halberstam, who was my idol when I was in college, a foreign correspondent, foreign correspondent for the New York Times, and later book author and. Vietnam. Uh, he uh, he was in the Congo, and a bunch of reporters were going out to the airport because Doc Hammarskjöld, who was the UN Secretary General, was coming through at the airport. And Halberstam said, "No, I'm, I'm I have writing to do." So he went back to the hotel, and everybody who went to the airport sent out news that Doc Hammarskjöld was transferring planes, and he was there. So the guy looked just like him. But Doc Hammarskjöld was already dead in a plane crash uh, in um, some African jungle. Uh, and that would have ruined his career if he'd gone and I'm because I guess the guy, whoever it was, they saw from a distance. They didn't get it verified. And yeah. they had worse than egg on their face. It's, 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 it's so tricky. It's very, very tricky. And I, I've been there and I share the concern, but Jeez, you got to be careful, even when you don't think you have to be, even when it's so obvious. Like, well, obviously, that's Doc Hammer show. Mm, no. No, no. 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 All right. Well, we're just about done here. Um, I've been trying to find a Taylor Swift joke, but I haven't been able to do that. But <laughs> it is time for the joke for the week. I'd even settle for a Travis Kelsey joke. <laughs> I think that the uh, I, I think that the Denver Broncos took care of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they put them to sleep. I'm, I'm glad I didn't watch that game because I'm I'm a fan of really good quarterbacks, and I love watching Mahomes, and I love watching Drew Brees and Joe Montana, even Steve Young, and those guys who just and Tom Brady just put it right in just the right place, time after time. Yeah. It's just. Uh, to it that really can't be beat i agree with you i just you ever see the videos of tom brady when he's uh uh he i guess he was working out and he had one of those uh machines that throws footballs that passes the football and, oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and he was he was catching it and then he took it and he threw it back and went right in the machine and then got thrown out again i mean that guy is like a surgeon <laughs> just to be yeah. able to do that 
I love stuff like that. I really do. It's, it's, or when you see them, they give the head fake to the left and then the guy's open on the right and they hit him because they just know where he's going to be. Uh, yeah. I didn't, I just played high school football, but those were those moments of, of synergy uh, and, uh, and teamwork were just, uh, they're addictive. I agree. I agree. All right. So jokes of the week. I've got a couple. Well, well I got to tell you that time stroke. Um, yeah, yeah, tell me the time stroke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so, uh, uh, so God uh, came out one day and he said um, uh, that uh, he just sick and tired of all the crap down there on earth. He's going to end civilization. That's it. Earth is going to, everyone on earth is going to die. And so the, the Boston Globe uh, said uh, that um, uh, academics report that God said the, the world was going to end. Uh, and LA Times said that uh, God announces in the world studios battle over film rights. <laughs> Washington Post said the government stunned by God's announcement in the world. And the New York Times headline said, God announces end to civilization, women in black's hardest hit. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I just yeah. love it. It's so true. I'm not even sure it's a joke, right? I mean, I got a couple for you here. Okay. All right. Man sits down uh, at a first class seat, right, for a, um, for a flight. And there's this woman sitting next to him with this stunningly huge diamond on her finger, right? And he says, he says, can I ask you about the diamond? And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah. She says, this is the Klopman diamond. It is beautiful, but there's a terrible curse that goes along with it. And the guy says, what's the curse? And she says, Mr. Klopman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> curse. Um, all right, so here's another one. Man goes to a psychiatrist and says, look, doc, I'm in trouble. I can't sleep at night. Every time I get into bed, I think there's somebody underneath my bed. Every time I start looking underneath my bed, I think there's somebody on top of it. You know, on top, below, on top, below. I can't get to sleep. You got to help me out with this. And the psychiatrist says, look, I think I can cure you. It's a two-year plan. Come see me three times a week. And uh, he says, I think in two years, we can knock this out. And the guy says, well, how much is it per visit? He says, $100 per visit. The guy says, well, let me let me think about it for a while. So a month later, he hasn't heard back from the guy. So he calls him up and says, um, why don't you come see me again? And he says, for 100 bucks a visit, my bartender solved this with, uh, for 10 bucks. And he says, how can your bartender cure you for 10 bucks? He says, simple. He had just had me saw the legs off my bed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's one of those answers. It's uh, it's kind of obvious that you feel like, oh yeah, I could have thought of that. I could. Have I have one. I have one. I have an old one. Jimmy Fallon says, uh, "Chinese New Year this weekend, the year of the snake." It's crazy that it's the snake already. I'm still writing dragon on my checks. <laughs> <laughs> And there was a, there was a there was a cartoon of, of people in old Greece, uh, and they were and the guy says it's just crazy. I can't remember to write A.D. instead of B.C. on my checks. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, that that threw me for a while, too, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were that old. Uh, and this is the weekend for uh, daylight time to end. Yeah, you know, hopefully it's the weekend that they decide to never bring it back again, too. But I guess. Uh, but oh. it's, this one is the good one. This is back. the good one. So you, you get an extra hour of snoozing. I got uh, I got up this morning and it was still dark. It was almost eight o'clock. It's like oh, uh, well, the mornings are better than without daylight time. It's the right. nighttime. I remember in Montana, it's like in the summer, you could play a round of golf after work and go home and read the newspaper on the deck. It's ten o'clock and you could still read the paper, uh, but in the winter, you know. By four o'clock, <laughs> it's dark. <laughs> yeah, I could, you know, I could still play golf at ten o'clock at night, <laughs> and no one would know. <laughs> Wouldn't hurt my game at all. <laughs> don't lose all my balls, and I'd never make it into the cup. Um, I, I don't. I don't see how that's any different than playing at ten o'clock in the morning. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's a good point, Ed. So maybe that's why we have daylight time. I think that's what it is. All right. And welcome the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com, the steward of Swifty Nation. <laughs> a delightful column. You really should read it. It's great, redstate.com. It really is a delightful column. And I, I mean, I'm giving Andrew a whole lot of uh, ribbing over it, but it's really good and you should read it. Um, and, I, and I agree with every single word of it so uh, <laughs> thank you for writing it and thanks for, uh, thanks for a fun conversation today we'll do this again next week okay thanks for plugging it thanks everybody see you then <laughs> <laughs>